Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comics Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the comics we got this month. We'll start with DC, we'll go over to Marvel, and then we'll cover the other publishers. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll cover general plot points and storylines of the comics we discuss. In this monthly comic spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in March 2023. James, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Now, this was a five-week month. Yes, it was. It was a long month, but surprisingly, I didn't get a crazy amount. How much did you get? Only 58 issues, single issues. And I'm not counting like the back issue stuff that kind of came into Eric, you know, some stuff from like it a year past and stuff, just the current stuff. Yeah, I got a few of those things too. I'm not counting those two. I got 59 new comics. Hey, one issue apart. <laughs> but you see, I'm all out, or I was all out on the DC event and the Marvel event, like the Sins of Sinister and the Lazarus Planet. Ah, ah. So that's probably why you have a little bit more than me, or one issue more. Well, shall we dive into DC? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to filter my list right now. All right. I got a total of 19 comics from DC. All and right. I, I got 11. <laughs> one of them stood out. Two of them stood out for the rest. One for a good reason, one for a not so good reason. Okay. All right. Well, which one was the good one? Let's start with the good. I really enjoyed Justice Society of America number three. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. I, I, I liked that book too. I thought it was good. I thought it was fun at the beginning to see the unknown soldier and Sergeant Rock and Easy Company yeah. and for them not to make a big deal about it. Yeah, just kind of like it was just there and not the – it wasn't announced on the cover or anything, anything weird like that. But I love that World War II and Earth-X stuff getting tossed in there. Well, it's not Earth-X. It's just – Oh, it wasn't Earth-X. World okay. War II of that Earth. Oh, which was cool. I loved it. <laughs> now, I also liked it when we got the footnote to All-Star Comics number 35, which was Paradegaton's first appearance in 1947. Which is – yeah, that was crazy. I mean that that's nice to have a footnote to, but that's that's a pretty pretty far back reference. Yeah, that's uh, almost eighty years now, seventy five years, <laughs> something like that. Jeez. Yeah, that's really old. But I mean, I thought it was cool. We got that character who's pushed from World War II into nineteen forty seven and tried to change the past. I, I love that whole you know setup for that. I thought it was a really cool story. It was just a lot of fun. Paradigaton is kind of I'm going to use the term Earth two, but DC's. I can't say version of Kang the Conqueror. Okay. But riff on the time-traveling would-be Conqueror. Okay. He's woefully unsuccessful because every time he gets defeated, as is the lot of supervillains, and he's basically the lab assistant of a guy who invented time travel, or who's always reinventing time travel because when the timeline gets reset, that kind of, you know, puts the time travel success or, or breakthrough off or whatever. So he's usually washing, you know, test tubes for this guy or whatever. But the minute the guy, you know, cracks the thing and gets time travel, he basically steals it and tries to go take over the timeline. Yeah. All right. Cool. I never read the character, so I liked it. But yeah, like you said, he he, he definitely fumbled it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's a would-be Nazi and just, you know, perennial loser. Although they've they've done some really cool stories with him, and this looks like it definitely could be one of them. See, when I saw that World War II stuff and this character who I didn't know about, I just assumed, oh, maybe this is Earth-X. That, that's just where my mind went. I can understand that. Yeah, but I, I loved it because rarely get that World War II stuff. So when I get it, it's like it's kind of like nice. It's a little treat for me. Well, I mean, the JSA is rooted in World War II. 
Yeah, which is awesome. <laughs> so having stuff of that time period and then referencing some of the other characters of that time period, a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Now, wh- which was the book that you didn't like and why? Oh, I still have one or two things to say on this one. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. I did enjoy how they established that the present-day Huntress, Helena Bertinelli, is an inspiration for the Helena Wayne Huntress of the future. Yeah, that was cool. Now, whether she's going to stick around in the present or not, no idea. But I will admit, I was surprised to find that the Beth Chapel, Dr. Midnight, and the Yolanda Montez Wildcat, I guess, were resurrected during the Lazarus Planet stuff? Yeah, that was interesting. I didn't expect that or see that coming. I read the Lazarus Planet stuff, and I didn't see it happening, or at least I don't remember it, it if just, it did. So, so it just happened. <laughs> yeah, it's getting confusing to keep track of what's happening when, and who's alive, who's dead, and what's going on, but... And the other thing is Stargirl here seems, it feels a little older than she does in her current miniseries of Stargirl and the Lost Children. You know, I would agree with you there. She definitely seems aged up a little bit here. Yeah, it's bizarre and I don't, I can't put my finger on it. Maybe is it because she's with the young kids from the past? I think some of it's that, some of it is Todd Knox's art style. Mm, That's true. That's true. Versus Michael Jannon here. Yep. That's very true. <laughs> so, little, little weird, but it works. She did seem older. I like the older version myself, personally. Are you still reading Stargirl and the Lost Children? I am. I'm seeing it through to the end. And is that the one you didn't like? Is that your transition to number no, five? No, it wasn't. Oh, it's okay. just since we're talking JSA and it's related, I thought I'd mention it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one, I thought it was... It wasn't as good as when it started. I thought it was an okay issue. I, I lost a little bit of interest with the cavalcade of the lost children, you know, they start getting all these kids. Mm-hmm. It get all cocooned at one point, you know. And I'm thinking because Jeff Johns is doing it that the kids will play a bigger role in the DC, you know, comics world universe that we see. But right now, I just I don't have any affinity or like for a lot of the characters. That's where I am with it right now. Oh, that's a shame. I thought this was very middle chaptery. Yeah, that's very middle chapter And there's a, a buyer for these lost children who seems to have a boss. I'm wondering who the boss is. And is this fella trying to save the kids or not? I'm a little confused. The bottom line is I think there is a ton for Jeff Johns to explain in that final issue. I agree. When they went to the miniseries with this, it made me wonder how much we'll see these kids in the future. Maybe they don't think this is something that they could play out for like 12, 24 issues. And maybe you'll see them pop up in the background. I don't I don't think they're going to take a big role. I, that's just the, my gut feeling. I think, based on a solicit I've seen, that they're going to play into the Justice Society of America series. Yeah. That's a 12-issue series, and that there was a reference to a kind of a next phase of this new golden age. Okay, cool. So, it feels like DC, aside from the perennials, is getting away from ongoing titles for the most part. Yeah, Marvel's kind of doing that too. Yeah, they're they're doing a lot of the miniseries, the small, here's five to 12 issues, whatever it is, they're done. I'm not crazy about that. Me neither. I have opinions on that, but yeah, I'm not crazy about it, but I I kind of understand it, but I think it's also they're becoming their own worst enemy with people sticking to titles and jumping off. I can't stick with a title if it stops. Yeah, and then what's happened at Marvel, they come out with so many miniseries, like that Scarlet Witch one, and all it took was me to see Orlando on it, and I'm like, oh, I'm out. And then you actually read it, and it's a good series. Mm-hmm. But maybe maybe if it wasn't a miniseries, and I knew it had some legs, and maybe it was going to be really impactful, I might have read it despite Joe Orlando. Or Is that his name, Joe Steve. Orlando? Steve, Steve. God, 
I, <laughs> Steve Orlando. I just I see Orlando. I'm like Orlando, <laughs> that guy. No. Well, when you're not really hot on a particular writer or artist, and you know they're going to be there pretty much for the whole volume because volumes don't last that long. Yeah, you're going to skip the thing. Exactly. Versus like if it's something where Steve Orlando might have stepped in and did a few issues and then maybe a Donnie Cates took over or a Jeff Johns took over. Oh, okay, cool. You know, he's just filling in while the next new guy's coming up. Oh, now it's Scott Snyder. Cool. Yeah. But at this point, you know, when that happens, they'll relaunch the title. That's what's happening now. And so I dip a lot of time on the talent. I dip out. I can understand that. One that I'm planning on or debating if I should dip out on or not is, uh, and this was my worst one for the month. Okay. Yeah. What was that? Detective Comics 1070. Oh, I already dropped that. <laughs> Again, Ram you're smarter than I am. <laughs> Ram B was not working. It was really bad. They've got the Vigil in this, which has got an upcoming miniseries that I'm curious about, so I'll get at least the first few issues of that, probably. There's a backup story here. I don't know where it's going or why I should care. I just This is one that I'm getting out of inertia. No, I can see that. I was getting it for a while. And I think I picked up like six or so issues of him. And then I'm just like, I, I got to that point where I'm like, I need to cut. And I was just like, why am I reading this? I looked at my reviews and I'm like, every time I give this guy a score for this book, it's not good. It's like D material, C minus at best. Why am I reading it? <laughs> I think if I ever get to a point where I can really spend some serious time putting my order together one month and really give some, some critical thought to it, there are quite a few titles to go and this would be one of them. Yeah. I, because I actually got fooled on some Marvel stuff because remember when the solicits were really messed up? Oh, geez. Yeah. I, we'll get to that in a, a little bit, but I got some comics because I bought them blind. Yeah. And I so regret what I got. <laughs> I got lucky with Scarlet Witch on that. If I had yeah. been thinking more about it, I would have skipped it because I was ordering blind. Yeah. So, uh, w- but we'll get to that. You want you want to hear what my favorite one was? Sure. And I know it's something. There, the three that I liked the most, you didn't get, and I really did like Justice Society. That was a very good book. Okay, my A plus material, I guess you could say is I wouldn't say A plus, but A. Batman, Another Bad Day, Rachel Ghoul, mm. and it was a really good story. I, I wouldn't say it was a perfect story, but it was solid and it gives context on the background of Rach. So, what I think will happen. I think some people will read the book and they'll almost get triggered by it because of the subject matter. But if you know the character and you know his background, you know what's going on with him, it completely makes sense for the character. You get to see Raish as a child. You get to see, you know, who wakes up in terror from the Lazarus pit. What terrifies a man that basically he can't die? He keeps getting, you know, resurrected and stuff. He's been around for 700 years. And it's that people, you know, you and I and our parents, kids and stuff, we think so short-term because we live for 60, 70, 80 years. Who, who knows? 90 years. Mm-hmm. So it goes into the people are doing bad things. They're wiping out the animals in Africa. They're destroying forests and stuff and heating up the, you know, the, the planet, the atmosphere. The planet's being turned into a waste because of overpopulation. So this is him just talking. And he's talking with Damien and basically talking to him and just explaining, hey, here's the reasons why I'm doing this thing. I'm going to take out bad people. And when you think about bad people, think of like the people who basically go out of their way to make the planet a worse place. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to use uh, Papa John's as a reference. Now, Papa John's, they have a new CEO. But, or no, uh, yeah, I think it was Papa John's or Jimmy John's, one of the two. But I think it was, I, I can't remember. But the CEO, you know, he was like doing the wild 
game hunting, you know, the big animals and stuff. And there's pictures of him holding up an elephant tail and stuff. And, you know, the board let him go. They're like, hey, this is too much. You can't be doing that stuff because people are boycotting our product. But what he does, he's not killing the people. He's like, hey, I'm replacing these people and I'm affecting the boards and I'm doing this stuff to get ourselves to be in a better place. Sometimes you do have to take him out because he'll go down that path, something that Bruce is not willing to do. But he's like, I'm doing this to make it a better planet for you, Damien, you know, despite what your dad's doing. I'm doing it because I'm going to be here in another 700 years and I have to live here. Yeah. And so I think it's a book that'll trigger people, but it was written so well and it makes sense. And so that whole debate and that whole long-term thing is in there. And I really kind of liked it. I thought it was written terrific. But like I said, trigger warning for some people out there. Well, and that's a better approach than he's just an eco-terrorism. Yeah, he's not an eco-terrorist. He's basically trying to put good people in charge because if you go to any company, Microsoft or Coca-Cola, you know, there's good and bad people. People come in all shapes, sizes and everything. And I'm not saying one mindset is the, the correct way, but there's people who are doing things for the good of the planet and the good of the shareholders that aren't going to cause harm to others. And there's people who are just flat out harmful and, and, and not good people. Well, but even the whole concept of, of good for the shareholders and stuff, are you doing it good for the shareholders today or what will still be good for them, you know, six months, a year, two years, 10 years from now? Exactly. Exactly. That's the point. It's like, Hey, and so many times companies, the way we're structured and the way our, our earnings are, they live for the quarter. They don't live for 30 years from now what happened to my company based on the decision I'm making today. Well, I mean, hypothetically, suppose you had a publisher of, of characters like Batman, Superman, and so forth, like DC, that decided to forego the decision not to do variant covers. And now if you look at their catalog, there's a, a little emblem with a number in it telling you how many variant covers they have on that particular item. Exactly. That's good for the shareholders today. It sells more comics today. But you may be killing the industry by doing that. Yes. And so th that's how this is written. So I think people, there's a good story in there and you can flip it to whatever you want to. But I think some people will just get offended and be like, ah, and get very angry over it. But I think it's, if you get to the point, it doesn't, it's not even about the planet. It's about long-term thinking. And I think about that all the time, you know, like people ask you online, hey, if, would you prefer to go to the past or would you like to be in the future? I, I always mm -hmm. say I want to be in the future because I want to see technology. I want to see if that Star Trek stuff comes to life. But then you're like, I'm also terrified if it's a desolate planet with no life on it. <laughs> yeah, it comes down to what sci-fi do you watch? Do you watch the, the Star Trek type or the post-apocalyptic type? Yeah, and so it's like... You just don't know because a lot of people don't make long-term decisions. They make short-term and they're short-sighted. So anyway, it's a great book. Great book. <laughs> but think how fun an ongoing title, not that they do those these days, but if they did, would be with, with Ra's al Ghul if they really played up the long-term thinking and stuff. And you get not only what he's doing today, but you also spend enough time in the story of what he has done in the past, some of which worked out, some of which may not have but made sense at the time. In terms of here's you know 400 years ago where he was he was playing the odds and it's like if I'm going to be here for another you know couple hundred years let's go this way maybe it works maybe it doesn't but to find out he's he's got a rationale he's again playing the really long game that could be very interesting they could turn him into kind of a like Doctor Doom at at, at Marvel he's a bad guy but you you start to get insights into his character and why he does what he does. And, and that's the kind of reading I love. I love the Doctor Doom. I love the Namor. Or I, I love those characters in the gray. I, I came out of this book and I'm like, man, I love Rachel Cool. I want to read more Rachel <laughs> Because I'm not saying he's a good guy, 
but he has a moral compass and he's true to that. And you don't always agree with him, but he's in this moral gray where you're like, okay, I can see that and I get that. And you're not doing a bad thing. But at the same time, Batman's like, you're doing a bad thing, you know? So which side do you fall on? (laughs) Yeah. So it it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's got an agenda and he's got a a mindset and a worldview and he sticks to it. That could be fun. Exactly. And that's exactly what comes up. You got Batman versus Rage, not fighting, but their philosophies and grandpa's talking to Damien. Let me tell you. Interesting. And it was a good book. I think you would like it if you can pick it up. Just check out with Eric. I think you'd enjoy it. I'll keep that in mind. Now, the other two I was going to tell you about that I did get that I really enjoyed that you're not getting is Dark – I'm sorry, not Dark Knights of Seal. That, you are getting that. Oh, no. I am getting that. I, am, I did like that. Okay, but Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, number seven. It's nearing the end of the series, and everything has been doom and gloom. You know, Even when there's a win, it feels like it's a loss. And the Spectre's playing a really big role in the series. The forces of the anti-life equation, you know, the, with the, or you know, the virus attack. Uh, the, the people that are, you know, consumed by the virus, they attack and force. And Cyborg ends up kind of redeeming himself because he was the crux of the outbreak from the beginning. Cyborg. Ah. So this is kind of like a redemption for Cyborg. So I really kind of like this, and it's building up for the last issue, which was really good. But uh, I'm sorry, you did get Dark Knights of Steel, and I did really like that. Did you like Dark Knights of Steel number ten? I liked it, but the story momentum was really reduced by just the delay between issues. That's what I think. I think this could have been like an A-plus book if I would have gotten the issue in a timely manner. But because of it, it's more like B-plus stuff. Yeah, that's kind of where it fell for me. Because it's a really good story then there. <laughs> a previous issue came out at the beginning of the year. Exactly. So, man, I, it's just frustrating. Yeah, yeah. That'll read better in Collected Edition. Yeah, some guy's going to pick up the Collected Edition and say, this is the best story ever, and you are going to be like, well, it was good, but and the reason why is because we were frustrated. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it just doesn't hold up when I've got to think back, you know, three months as to where did this leave off again? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. So it was it was really good, though. I, I enjoyed it. And so, you know, the Green Warlord of Mars character and, you know, the White Warlords, it, it gave me, like, the vibe of, like, Deja Thoris and the you know Mars and oh definitely there's some John Carter aspects because of Mars it was so John Cartery yeah it was like so cool yeah. you got that vibe I was like man this is a cool book <laughs> but those were the three I really I really enjoyed besides I did like JSA a lot but there were others I liked what did you enjoy what did you think of uh, Batman Superman World's Finest I thought that was pretty cool it was cool but I think I marked it not under DC because it didn't come up on my thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't help that. I know. Like, where the heck is it? I probably put it under Marvel or something. Oh, for crying. I, I love how the next issue is basically Bruce Wayne, murderer. And, and we find out how he gets arrested for, for murder. And I'm really wondering if that's going to play into how Batman reacts to that character moving forward. Yeah. Because I thought the investigator who, who basically, I don't want to say set him up, but led to him getting arrested really funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, I remember, that was a good book issue. That was really good. And then I did have, let's see, it was, that was the one, it was Meta, Metamorpho, right? Metamorpho, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I found out why I couldn't find it. I was looking for Batman Super, and I just had it under World's Finest. I had to scroll oh. further down my list to W. I'm like, why can I not find this book? I'm like, oh, it's under W. <laughs> that would do it. Yeah, so I was sitting there going, what in the heck? I was like fumbling. But yes, I agree with you. Very good book. This is why I have all my notes and stuff kind of feed from the data off uh, the solicitations and stuff. So. Ah, for crying out loud. And me, I'm like... Because if you just look at the damn covers, I'm World's like, Finest, yeah, makes sense. That's what I do, World's Finest. And then I'm like, I can't find it. There it is. I did read it. It was good. <laughs> well, one of the older comics I got this month 
that I don't have on my list because it's irrelevant these days was a Catalyst Prime book or whatever from uh, Oni or, or Lions Forge, one of them. From a dead universe now. <laughs> from a dead universe now, yeah. And when I was sorting through my comics, if you look at that, that video and stuff, I'm like, I was expecting another one, and it's right there on the top of the stack, and I'm not seeing it because, again, I was looking for a title with a C, not whatever it had on it and stuff, Seven Days or whatever. It's exactly. Like, it's an S book. That was, uh, yeah. It's frustrating. <laughs> Yeah, it is what it is. But I did enjoy The World's Finest. And then, did you like Nightwing this time, number 102? I have mixed feelings on it. I didn't hate it or anything, but this is not the Nightwing book we were reading just a few months ago. That's what I think. He's turned it into the Titans book. I think that'll get better when they actually get a Titans book. That's what I think, too. (laughs) Was it just me, or does this cyborg fly a lot more than the original, well, couldn't fly at all? He's flying all over the place. He's boom-tooming all over the place. So this is clearly the new 52 origin cyborg that we've got. But then that begs the question of how, why, and when was he a new Teen Titan? Yeah, yeah. Now, this upcoming Hell Heist thing they've got for next issue, whatever, could be cool. But, I don't know, this is all so out of place given the pre-Titans, you know, takeover of the title vibe that the title had. Yeah, I I agree. I think the Titans need to launch, uh, which is coming soon, because once they're out of here and it goes back to being that Nightwing chart, there's like, there was some charm to it. There was some, you know, with with Bitewing and everything. With Bitewing, with Barbara Gordon, who's getting the short end of the script now yeah. that there's too many other characters. It, it, and it's just like, I don't want to really read about those characters. I'd rather be the cast we had before because that was working. And I will say the backup story in this was better with Nightwing and John Kent than the fir- main story for me. It was like a whodunit, but I felt like we didn't get any clues in the whodunit. It was just like, oh, here it is. Boom. <laughs> Well, Nightwing training Superman Jr. on on investigating and such, particularly when he's saying, well, I I don't normally get to do this because my mom's an investigative reporter, my dad's an investigative reporter, my boyfriend's an investigative reporter. Yeah. And, and, you know, Nightwing gets like, okay, yeah, I'll help you out. Good premise, but it was so clearly not written by Tom Taylor. Yeah, that that was the thing. It wasn't written by Tom Taylor, and I felt like the tragic part of it, it, it was that they told us instead of showed us and gave us any clues in the story, which I didn't enjoy. Did, did you see any clues there? Because I felt like they just said, here it is. Ta-da. Yeah, I kind of felt that. And it's better than a lot of the backups in DC. Yeah, that, I would agree. <laughs> but that's a low bar to trip over. Yeah. So it just feels like this title has just so changed. I mean, I'm still enjoying it. But what I was really liking when Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo took over... Feels like it's left the book right now. It, it's not on the book. Well, we've got Travis Moore on the art instead of Bruno Redondo. So there's that. Yeah. And the art's fine. It's just Bruno Redondo was really knocking it out of the park. And we're not focusing on Nightwing as much. And all the characters they set up, I, I, I guess we're done with Heartless. Yeah. The mayor, whatever character, she seems to have vanished. We bar- hardly get Barbara Gordon. It's a different book than it was. And I'm not crazy about that. I agree. And I know it's just set up for the Titans book, but it, it's a shame that I feel like they sacrificed a really good book to set up the Titans book, which I'm like, uh, just frustrating. But a book that we did not talk about, there was a, a few more that I got, but it was the number one. And I, it's interesting, neither one of us mentioned it. It's like a book we love or, or hate. Adventures of Superman number one. It's a brand new number one, came out with John Kent Superman. What did you think of that? Because I, I, I have some thoughts on it. I thought it had a lot of callbacks to the Earth 2, Earth 2 Worlds End, Earth 2 Society titles. A lot more so than I was expecting. Okay. 
we've got hints that John's going to get those electrical powers because of Lazarus' planet, but that's happened, and he hasn't gotten the powers yet, so I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> and it's been long enough since those Earth 2 titles they kept referencing yeah. that I'd kind of forgotten who Red Tornado was until right before the oh, wait, that's where they're going, kind of a moment. Yeah. So they're playing on continuity that's effectively dead and buried, and they're they're playing it like it should be fresh in my memory. Yeah, okay. All right. I felt some of the stuff was lost on me because I didn't have that background, but it read fine, but it just felt so a little bit weird and all, all over the place, and I don't know where they're going with the book right now. Mm-hmm. I felt like it, was, it wasn't a great start, and now he's going to be – they're taking John, and they're almost going to shelve him out in the multiverse. Like, we're going to launch this, and now we're going to stick it over yeah. here. And I'm like, why did we launch this? Why are we shelving the character? I had a feeling, like, I, I've been listening to that Rob Servation, you know, Rob Liefeld thing, his podcast. Mm-hmm. And basically, after 100 years, Superman, the 1931 Superman, and 2031, the name Clark Kent, the S, the logo, that's all going to be public domain stuff. So I think John Kent was supposed to be the, let's move Superman over to this guy to di- differentiate. Because Clark Kent, anyone, anyone can write a Clark Kent story come 2031. I don't think it's 31. I think it's more 39. Oh, 39. 39. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, let's, anyone can write the story. So we got to make a new guy popular. I don't know if that's what they're trying to do, but now they're kind of taking it the other way. We're going to get rid of this guy. It's weird. Just bizarre. I don't think they're thinking that far in advance. Okay. Because that's what, 15 years out? Yeah. They're not thinking that far. (laughs) And there have been other times where it's, well, particularly when the copyright issue was kind of up for grabs when... I forget if it was Siegel or Schuster's family or state was trying to do the reversion and stuff before they worked out an agreement with DC. There was definitely a let's put Superman off to the side and have somebody else take the limelight. So definitely there's an aspect of that to be had. But I think what's more at issue is it's been so long since they've had a really, really solid run of Superman that makes him feel relevant exciting, etc. And they've had a few of them, but not for long and not often. Yeah. That I think a lot of people just don't know how to write for the character. No, I'd agree. Like, like I enjoyed the war world, Philip Kennedy Johnson, but that's because I like John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was writing, a John Carter story. A depowered Superman, he has a sword. Silly me, I was looking for a Clark Kent Superman story. Exactly. So I liked it for different reasons. I thought it was terrific, but it definitely was not a quote-unquote Superman story. <laughs> yeah. And then there's just that weird stuff, the Red Tornado thing, which you, you mentioned. That was weird to me. Is it, Where did that happen, the Red Tornado? Who That, that all happened on the Earth 2 stuff that was part of the, the New 52. Okay. Because me, I don't have that context. I'm reading, I'm like, I'm like, okay, Red Tornado is now this lady? Okay, cool. <laughs> well, and when you were looking at the Valzad Superman, were you not expecting the President Superman that we tend to get more often? Yes, that's exactly what I was expecting. Yeah. And so I was confused. I was just like, what? All right, this is, I mean, I could read it and it made sense, but I was just like, okay, this is not what I thought would happen. <laughs> but there's a friction when you read it because you're expecting other things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but overall, not a bad book. It's just, it, it was weird because it's a number one. That's the book that's supposed to hook you, you know, and it didn't. Well, how about uh, Superman number two? How'd that do for you? Superman number two, I thought it was good. What did you think of it? <laughs> I thought it was okay. I mean, I'm not a huge fan it of the super awesome, evolution but... of the, the parasite. Yeah, that's how I am too. So I'm like, mm. 
he was already too powerful, and now to overpower him like this, it's like, nah, come on. Yeah, it's it's becoming a bit much. So that's where I'm like, it, it, it's just weird. So I don't know why, but overall, the book is okay for me. It's just, it, it went in a weird direction from the first issue. That That was what floored me, and now we're just getting a little bit more odd with it. Yeah, and I'm not sure where this they're going with this Marilyn Moon Knight character. Me neither. That was just kind of weird. So it's it's kind of weird. It relaunched, but it, it, it's just I feel like we're in such a weird place with both Adventures of Superman and Superman. Well, and you jumped off action, right? Yeah, I jumped off because it was the anthology book of all the side yeah. characters. Are you liking that? Is it working? Aspects of it I want to like more than I am. There were just a couple of things here that just it felt odd. You know, at one point we've got Steel with his armor kind of, you know, phasing around him or forming around him or something. I'm like, he's not Tony Stark. <laughs> and then we've got at one point where Superman is like phasing through a wall like the Flash. I'm like, I don't know that he can do that. And he certainly doesn't do it that often. Like, what is going on here? <laughs> and then they did a, a bit with the end of the main story with one of the characters. And I'm like, ooh, yeah, that was a mistake. And they kind of taints the character. And they now have to dig them out, themselves out of that hole. The Super Sun version of John Kent, that was just another chapter of that story. It's not really getting any momentum on it for me. And then we got the Power Girl bit at the end. They're still playing up the, is she part of the Superman family? Is she not? I mean, she's in the book, so she kind of is, but she's not. So yeah. it's, the, the whole thing's weird. And it, it had something that could potentially connect it to the JSA stuff. I don't know, but... I'm not loving it, and that's disappointing. I was hoping for a lot more out of this run than I'm getting. Ah, all right. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I feel like with Flash 794 and 795, I feel like this one minute more is turning into filler to to issue 800. You get one minute more part five with Jay Carrot frees himself. You know, Barry Allen doing equations. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's just it's weird. All this stuff is happening in one minute, and it's a bit much. And then you get issue six. I'm like. Or part six, I'm like, okay, we're just going to keep going with this. <laughs> with the first of the two, there are a couple of things I enjoyed about it, but it's going on too long, and we finally get the reveal that a reset button might be possible. Yes. Like, gee, really? What a yeah. surprise. Yeah, no one saw that coming. <laughs> and then when we get to the 795, the second one of the month, there was a very surprising and confusing reveal at the end. Ah. That seemed to be the further rehabilitation of somebody that they seem to think has already been rehabilitated, but it was also a let's take the consequences of one story and just completely kick it to the curb and pretend it, I don't want to say pretend it never happened, but make it as if it never happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I hit the one reveal and I'm like, that's interesting. And then I did a little research and I'm like, ah, I see exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And it's a mistake. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, it's undoing another mistake. So maybe two wrongs make a right. I don't know. I read 794, and I'm like, okay, they're going to rewind this whole thing, and nothing ever happened, and and then we're going to get issue 800 with some kind of like little celebration. They're going to rewind it, but I think the reveal we got at the end of 795 will stick. Okay. All right. That's cool. Well. Stick for a while. <laughs> no, it's not a matter of stick for a while. It's fixing something that never should have happened, and something that they seem to feel they've dealt with a few times before, and... I don't know, the whole thing's a mess. Yeah, I feel like Flash was in that kind of just like, it's okay category. And the same thing, Batman. Batman 133, I'm like, eh, it's okay. Batman, the lead story was was, was enjoyable, but slow, which is kind of standard these days. Yeah. And the backup just totally didn't reset the scene well enough that 
by the time we get to to kind of a presumed victory for a character at one point at the end, I'm like it. It just rang hollow because I lacked the context. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was. <laughs> so it it was okay, but again, when I'm not getting excited by action by Batman, Flash is at least more enjoyable. But still, I'm not excited by it. And then of course there's there's Wonder Woman, and they're tying into the whole Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods stuff. And it's like, oh, there's this mysterious stranger in that story. It's like, yeah, I think I know who he is. <laughs> and then they're trying to do some stuff with Mary, and I'm like, is she a champion of Shazam? Is she not? What day of the week is it? Or flip a coin, take your pick. Are you reading the Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods? No, I skipped that because you told me Lazarus Planet was not very good, so I saw no point. I think that was probably a wise choice. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your sage advice. <laughs> <laughs> there was one thing in the first where it's like, I thought we were in an empty room, but at the end, there were spectators. I'm like, where did they come from? <laughs> and then there's a bit in the backup where it's like, there's some stuff that at least at one point was kind of a defining aspect of a particular place. And I don't know if it still is or not, because, you know, can't keep track of continuity these days because they don't. And it just is this going to be another major status quo change for a group or not, as if they haven't gone through enough? And then I get to the second issue, and I'm like, oh, look, maybe there's a status quo change for Billy Batson. It's like, didn't he just have one last month to become Shazam again? That's hilarious. <laughs> maybe being the champion of Shazam is more of a temp job than a full-time gig these days. That's funny. <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm not happy with those. But overall, I mean, I've cut DC down to where I'm getting some some decent books, and there's a few okay ones, you know? Unfortunately, Batman, I feel like, is one of those okay books, and it, for some reason, it's always the bestseller every month, or it used to be, so I'm still waiting for some really good Batman. There's always Batman and Scooby-Doo mysteries. That's true. You've told me that's been fantastic. <laughs> this one was interesting this month. I don't know if it was a different artist or not, but all the characters were like on model and such, but the art felt different, and I'm having a hard time articulating exactly what it was, because like some of the past Scooby stories, it almost felt like they have stock art that they were flipping, repositioning, and just reusing and such. It didn't feel that, that way this time, but the characters were perfectly on model and stuff. Oh, okay, we're cool. Just, like, seeing them from angles we don't normally see them at. And uh, part of it at the beginning with this one was Batman was talking to Commissioner Gordon, you know, clicks a, a you know remote or whatever, Batmobile drives up, he gets in, hops out. It's the 1966 TV show-style Batmobile. So fits with this Batman. Very cool. You know, and again, another done-in-one kind of a story. So hard to go wrong with this if you're good for a, a nice, light, Saturday morning-style Batman adventure. Yeah, which it's so different. It's kind of like a palate cleanser to the regular stuff. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about over at DC? No, I talked about all of it. So let's go to Marvel. All right. And this is where I had some interesting stuff because I accidentally blind-ordered stuff when the solicits weren't coming out. The stuff in the magazine did not match what was on the order form. And so, yeah. and so I picked, I'll tell you the ones I picked. Cosmic Ghost Rider 1, Hallow's Eve number 1. What was the other one? Venom Lethal Protector number 1. Those were the three I ordered, and I didn't know anything about them. I'm just like, oh, I like Cosmic Ghost Rider. Let's see what this is. Let's see if this Venom's good. Hallow's Eve, who's that? I, you know, well, she was coming out of the dark web stuff. Yeah, the dark, and it, she was like revealed in that, and I'd forgotten about it. So I picked up all this, and it was all horrible. I didn't like the Venom Lethal Protector. I didn't like the Hallow's Eve. Cosmic Ghost Rider was horrible. Anyways, that's just my opinion. It, some people may like it out there, but I, I thought it was just 
really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. Well, just to get some stuff out of the way then, I'll go through a few that I thought were, were less than stellar. Avengers? <laughs> we'll get to that one. That one actually yeah. did a little better than some of the others. Okay. <laughs> Monica Rambeau Photon? Oh, yeah. I mean, what is the point of this miniseries other than to tell us Monica is broken? <laughs> And I'm really getting tired of these old Avengers getting miniseries so we can see that they were never really the heroes they seemed to be sort of stories. Yeah. We got that with Black Knight not long ago, and it's like, I really liked Monica Rambeau when she was leading the Avengers and stuff, and now to, to kind of go with the, oh, she's got problems. It's like, well, you've, you've written her that way, so yeah, I guess she does. Yeah, we don't need to trash every character. That's, that's kind of yeah. unfortunate. It seems to be happening a lot. Gold Goblin number five ended that series. It did not land the ending for me. It just kind of stopped, not on a good note. I agree. I felt like the whole setup of that series was to basically revert to the Green Goblin. And they kind of set it up to do that, but it didn't happen. So it's like, what's the point of this whole thing? I was almost wondering if it was just setting up the Red Goblin story, but I didn't read that. So don't know, don't care. Yeah, Symbiote Goblin, I'm out. I don't like Symbiotes that much. (laughs) The two Captain Americas, Symbol of Truth, ended an arc, Cold War is up next. Yep. I don't know if I'm going to get the, the Falcon title after that. It's not horrible. I'm just not feeling the need to stick with it. Yeah, I, I resubscribe to it just because of uh, the Cold War thing. I want to see how it plays. Yeah. And then the main Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty. I'm just not a huge fan of, of MODOK with a K and this MODOK with a C. Yeah. Not any more to my liking. This was a weak issue of the series. Yeah, we get MODOK, not MODOK. It's like, oh, come on. Now, a book that I can say that I know we both hate Spider-Man 6. I think the Spider-Verse concludes, is it the next issue it's supposed to, or is it the issue after that? The next issue or the issue after that, but they're also introducing a new Spider character. Oh, God. And it's funny because I don't think they've got the trademark or whatever on that character free and clear. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) They're going to introduce or have introduced in the April book somewhere. I don't know where yet because I haven't read them yet. Spider-Boy. Oh, okay. And Spider-Boy was a character from the Amalgam universe, and those things, I think, are a joint copyright by Marvel and DC. Exactly. That's Spy- that's uh, Superboy and Spider-Man. Yep. So it's a oh, different my- Spider-Boy than the one I think they're introducing, but I haven't read it yet, so maybe not. But he's going to be kind of similar, you would imagine. Well, it's not going to be half Kryptonian, I would imagine. Yeah. Although that would be funny. <laughs> but I-, I think part of it with this, and Spider-Man 6 was a great example of too many spiders, too little interest. Yeah, that's where I am. I read this, and I remember I got excited for the first issue. The reason why it said "Into the Spider Verse," I was like, "Yeah, let's get rid of this." And here we are, which just seems bigger than ever. I'm like, "Oh man!" Now, can I tell you two other books that were not good? Let me just warn you that the end of the Spider Verse continues as of Spider Man number eight. Oh God. Okay. Wow. You're just leaving me on a with a lot of good news here. <laughs> just trying to keep you informed. That's true. Thank you. So I'm what like, you got? I just had a feeling of weight and depression. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, Thor number 32. This was not good. Tornbeck has taken over the title. He's like, I think he's like some kind of Nordic guy just based on the name. And he's honestly not a great writer. And the art has gone really downhill on this title. So Thor, I don't know. I'm expecting a relaunch because it's not good. And then the other one that I'll tell you is not good. It's my favorite character that's a superhero. I guess you could say superhero, Hulk 13. And the reason why Ryan Otley is back to being the writer and artist, and I hope Donnie Cates is okay. There's been rumors that he, you know, not doing well, but they need a new writer as soon as possible. I know it's being relaunched because 
Ryan Otley is not a writer. He really is not. And, and no, no offense to him, but it has not been good. It's been really, really bad. Yeah, I know they're relaunching it. I just saw that in the last round of solicits I, I was going through for the preview spotlight. I think they, the, the direction they should take with, with the Hulk is superhero. Cave, yeah. cowl, you know, mask, <laughs> the whole nine yards. Blatant secret identity as if nobody can figure out he's the Hulk. Because ain't nobody going to tell him he is. Exactly. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I would love to see him doing his best impression of a superhero or something. Yeah, that would be funny. That would be awesome. I would actually enjoy that. Yeah. Now, we went through all that stuff. Was there anything you enjoyed? Because I did have a few highlights for me. Okay, stuff I enjoyed. Invincible Iron Man was a good read. I agree. I liked Invincible Iron Man. This was issue number four. And I felt like the book didn't start really good, but it got better and better as you went and more engaging as you went along with it. The title did, and it's gotten better up till now. Yeah. Is that guy's name Faylong, I guess? Sure, we'll go with that. I don't know if he's going to be an Iron Man foe for long or for just now, but if it brings him into the orbit of the X-Men and stuff, this could be interesting. It could be really interesting because he's taken over Stark Industries and kind of the tech, but Tony basically has to be a better tactician as they face off, which I thought was really kind of cool. Yeah. That showdown was really fun. And uh, I thought it was great. Good, good read. It, because it started off, the book was kind of slow for me, and now it's getting into its rhythm, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. You reading Wolverine? I am. I enjoyed that one, too. I thought it was great. It had some good stuff. Did you read the text pages? The text page? Oh, no, no. I typically skim over those. Did I miss something important? I typically skim over them. One of them had an indication of kind of the, the out they have for one of the other characters. Oh, okay. And I'm like, oh, so, you know, they've gotten rid of everything, but this little thing still exists. Oh, that's how they're going to salvage the character. Oh, okay. All right. And then I got to the end and I'm like, I'm losing count of of some stuff here. There seems to be a lot of somebody around. Yeah. (laughs) This was a book at one point I was thinking about dropping that I'm really enjoying it right now. I agree. It was kind of through the a large part of it, and then it got really good here near the end. Yeah, it really turned itself around on this last arc. I just really hope this showdown between Wolverine and another character plays out well. It's certainly playing out, and I hope they either come out with the way I'm expecting them to, given the out I think they established here in one of the text pages. Not that I think establishing it that way is a good idea, but they did. Or if they can find a, a better kind of solution and stuff so much the better but again fun stuff yeah it set up the ending very nicely i thought that was good yeah now one i know you weren't getting but i liked it almost as much as wolverine and it's just because it's good old-fashioned fun peter david joe fix it number three which Mm. is the hulk with the mafia guy yeah this title was just fun this time so if you like spidey and hulk face-offs or team-ups this book and the series is really built for you it it was fun and action-packed the entire time i mean you get flashbacks to Crusher Creel, kind of bumping into both characters. So mm. it's in that vein, you know, where you get the, the smackdowns and the team-ups and just the crazy antics. And it felt like Peter was just going to throw these characters in there and just have fun with them. It feels like, let's just write a story where it's very light. It's, it's not very deep. It's just exactly what you want. <laughs> when you think back to old Crusher Creel versus Spider-Man versus the Hulk, let's do a three-way fight. Yeah, yeah. J- just great fun. <laughs> Well, speaking of flashbacks of sort, okay, uh, what did you think of Amazing Spider-Man 21 and 22? I was kind of like, we're getting MJ with her 
new lover watching Peter's kids at one point in there, and we're getting no answer to what happened, and yet they tell us they're going to tell us what happened, and it, I feel like it's false advertising because I read both issues, and I feel like oh, I still don't know what's going on. I feel like it, it's not a very good story. We keep getting teased, and they've been teasing us since issue one. So I, I read the book issues more as frustration because it's not going anywhere. We're spinning. So I think you liked it better than I did. <laughs> oh! I mean, I, I agree with you entirely on all of that. I mean, we're supposed to finally learn what happened prior to this volume. It's a bait and switch. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not sure I care anymore. Exactly. I'm like, I, there's that itch. Okay, what happened? What could be so bad? But yeah, now it's been 22 issues. You haven't told us. Why Why is MJ watching Peter's kids with her new boyfriend? What's going on? Tell- I don't think they're Peter's kids. I think they're her kids with the, the new boyfriend. Oh, even worse. Okay. <laughs> but what got me was we hit the footnote of, remember this happening in ASM 894? No. And I'm like, no, not at all. That's exactly what I said. No, I don't remember. Well, it turns out there kind of sort of was and wasn't an Amazing Spider-Man 894, because it was really Amazing Spider-Man 93. Okay, so 93 was 894. Okay. Because the, the legacy the, numbering, and they're using legacy numbering despite it not being the prominent one on that cover, but okay. That was also the finale of the Beyond arc and the previous volume back at the end of March 2022. Okay, all right. So a year later, yeah, I don't remember that final cryptic page of the issue. I've since gone and looked, but I care even less about what's happening now when you did that. And then the other footnote, do you remember Amazing Spider-Man 555 to 557? No, no, I don't. <laughs> no way in hell. I mean, that that was back from like June 2008, and I didn't go look the, the issues. I looked up when they were published. I didn't look, go look them up. But I mean, okay, it's written by Zeb Wells. He's the current writer. Great. But what is this, a pop quiz? That That's 15 years ago. Come on, man. No, I don't remember what I read 15 years ago. I really don't. I really, really cannot. <laughs> this is why people hate continuity. Yes. This is continuity done wrong. Yeah, I mean... What they should have done instead of that editor's footnote, if it really mattered, be like flashback to issue did, 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 with a page and show us what happened. Oh, here's what happened. Here's what's needed for the story. And then if you wanted to, you could go read it. But they gave us nothing. They're just like, go. don't you remember? Nope. Don't remember. Nope. And I don't want to go pick it up. I don't want to go research. Yeah. They could have and should have sacrificed an in-house ad or editorial page or something to reprint the last page of... Amazing Spider-Man 93 with a, yep, this is from, and just to, you know, jog our minds that way, I still don't know or care what the hell happened in that that 555 to 557 arc. I think it plays into this other guy and this this would-be god or whatever, but it's like, this is taking too long. Way too long. And I think it's going to go for at least another, uh, another two or three issues. And my fear, my fear deep down, is for Aunt May to be affected, Pete, MJ to leave him, and have kids with this other guy, or whatever, or or take his kids with another guy. I think it's, yeah, like you said, had kids. I, we don't. I don't know. I think she may have had kids in this other place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll assume that. What could be so bad? And are they going to tar- try and tarnish the character like they did with Wally over in The Flash? And then, oh, yeah, here's this other guy who's who's not too tarnished, Ultimate Spider-Man. And um, I don't think they're doing that, but I don't want to take a character and drag him through the mud just to drag him through the mud, something that's not like the character. And I'm afraid that's what they're trying to set up by this big shock and awe thing. Well, it's taken, you know, 20 issues before they even started this story. This story, I mean, looking at the solicitations for upcoming issues, this is issues 21 and 22 we're talking about. 
issue yep. 26, it starts, its solicitation starts out, now fully in the present, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> I think the storyline continues through there. Good lord. Ah. Oh. And that includes a 699 issue 25, and 26 is a 499 issue, because they kind of like hiding these price jumps behind a regular price, regular price, crazy high price, and now a higher than it had been, but not as crazy high as it just was price. Yeah. I, I, the weird thing is, well, I'm not going to say the weird thing. The editors are giving them the, the green light to write this and be this slow and cryptic. And I, I honestly think if there was a longtime Spider-Man reader who this was their only book they've been picking up, they're probably questioning if they want to read comics anymore at this point. And, you know, if, if this was their book, you know, oh, I'm, I'm holding on. This is the last vestige. I, I haven't made Spider-Man since issue number 100. Maybe this did him in. <laughs> I've been reading it since the black costume in 252. Yeah, this almost did you in, didn't it? <laughs> it's making me question, should I keep getting the book? Yeah, it's unfortunate, but we, we have a few comics that are like that, like Detective you've had forever. You're, you're ready to stick a fork in it. It's done. <laughs> I have too many comics like that and too few where I'm thinking, wow, I really can't wait for that next issue. Yep, yep. So I, I think we the, the material is just not great, which is why, unfortunately, I think that's why sales may be affected more so in the future than what we're seeing right now. Oh, yeah. I, I think I think this is going to play out very poorly as the speculation bubble pops. What did you think of Fantastic Four number five? Fantastic Four number five, I did enjoy that, but the kids seem to be forgotten, which was the weird thing for me. They're not even mentioned. In- they did get mentioned. Oh, they did get mentioned. Okay. When they were I- in the traffic jam, people were harassing them for what about those other people kind of a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, that's it. Yeah. And then you get the magic battle, and I'm not really into magic, but it was an okay issue. Okay, the whole thing is they're driving, and they get stuck in a traffic jam, wackiness ensues. Why are they driving? I don't. (laughs) don't They've got the fantastic car, and it's following Ben's truck. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Can't recreate like a tractor beam or shrink Ben's truck or something. It just seems like he wouldn't be driving around stuck in traffic. And the whole gist of what went wrong and all of this was very technobabbly just to set up a story for bigger technobabble. And the highlight of the issue for me was at the beginning was Johnny's like, yeah, I'm hungry. How about we go to this place? They got Euros Reborn. <laughs> yeah, that was I'm awesome. like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> that was that was hilarious. <laughs> but a pun or two per issue is not enough to keep me loving the book. No. It's like a, a little bit above average book. That's how I felt. Like, if I was grading it, it's in the C plus category right now. This issue. That's fair. That's fair. That that that's my gut where I'm feeling, and I, it, it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's not great. And I felt like the the Fantastic Four we had before, and that was Dan Slott, was really good. Yeah, it was. And this is missing a lot of that. And I think he's already made some missteps. I'm going to give the next issue just kind of a okay, it's going to happen. But it's the one after that, number seven, which also doubles as number seven hundred. That's really where this team has a chance to really shine or not. Yeah, I agree. And that also proves a point that shakeups, I think, are needed and shakeups are good where they move the talent around between books. But sometimes it's a double-edged sword because you took Dan Slott, who was killing it on Fantastic Four, put him on Spider-Man, where he did good on it. He did really well on Amazing Spider-Man, but where I feel like I, I'm really not enjoying that book. I hate it. So you got one, you took a writer off a book I loved and put him on a book I hate and turned that book into a okay book. Did they, or did he just stop doing that book? I mean, if yeah. editorial decided we're moving people around, that was a mistake. 
Yeah, and that's where I don't know. We we don't know. You and I don't know, and I, I don't yeah, know. I have no idea. Yeah, so I have no clue. What I do know is I was not crazy about that issue. I'm not crazy about it. what's going on on Spider-Man. I would say probably the best Marvel book for me this, this month was Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Okay, cool. Doctor Strange is the new number one because the Doctor's back yeah. with Jed, Jed McKay writing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a fun first issue. Of course, I'm curious how long this volume might last. I mean, who knows? Maybe it'll go for like a full year or something crazy. <laughs> Doom and Steven face off. <laughs> so it was fun. It had some good moments. And it felt like a lot more happened in it than in a lot of books. I, I just hope they can keep it up. And it, Jed McKay, so I think they can. Well, you want me to tell you one other really good book? I, by the way, I did cancel She-Hulk. So She-Hulk is officially canceled as of issue 12. That'll be my last issue. Okay. But one that I did really enjoy, which I know you're not getting, and I mentioned to you all the time, Punisher number 10 was really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I listened to another podcast, and I didn't realize Jason Aaron's cousin wrote the script for the movie Full Metal Jacket. Or, or, or he didn't write the script for Full Metal Jacket. He wrote a book that Full Metal Jacket was based on. And so it, it just explains so much to me because Jason Aaron writes war books so well. He has so many war books that he's written. And I'm like, and so now he's writing The Punisher, who's a Marine, you know, and mm-hmm. Vietnam War vet. This is right up his alley. So anyways, when he's doing war book, he's on. And Punisher's significant other is getting stronger in here, wants Frank to stop being manipulated by the hand. I, that probably gave away who the significant other is and what's going on with a plot point, but I tried to code it a little bit. But Frank, he's basically taking out all kinds of bad guys in the book, the worst of the worst. And he's focused on his demons. It, it, but ultimately, what happens is, if you look at the character Frank Castle, he, he's like when I talked about Ray Shankul, mm-hmm. and this is what I'm loving about it. Frank Castle's not a good person. He is, if you get to the core of who he is, he is a murderer. He had, a, a, from Born number one, when you read you know, Punisher Born, where they showed him as a Vietnam soldier, where he murdered an officer in the first issue, murdered a U.S. officer. So he's a killer. He loved the war. He missed the war when he came home. He miss, misses that stuff. How do you control that demon? What he did is he, he codifies and creates a, like, a little rules, and he becomes a vigilante, and I can still be a murderer as long as I'm killing people who are worse than me. So he goes after the worst of the worst. And so you cheer for this guy, you love this guy, but he is not a good good guy. Do not mistake it. And in this book, Frank finally says at one point, I'm going to go home. You know, I feel like I've accomplished everything. You know, he's done being the hands mm-hmm. beast, I guess they call it. And he breaks the katana that he's been using. And so I feel like we're going back to the old Frank Castle. We're headed back towards that. But we'll see because the, the end of Daredevil, Daredevil was another decent book and the end of The Punisher ended very similarly, even though they're written by completely different writers, there's other characters who are not happy with what they've been doing and what's going on, and I want to put a stop to it. Interesting. So I'll just say the, the cavalry shows up. <laughs> the good guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a terrific read, and it was just really impactful because when I found out that Donnie, or I mean, um, Jason Aaron, his cousin was basically wrote Full, full Metal Jacket, I'm like, now I know why he's so good at war books. Now I know why he's so good at these dark, gritty things. I'm like, they talk, and this is who they are. <laughs> so really cool. Interesting. So did you read X-23 Deadly Regenesis? Yeah, I thought it was a little bit boring for me. It, it worried me because this is the person that's going to be writing Wonder Woman coming up at the reboot, I think. Really? I think. Okay, I haven't paid attention to who's doing that. 
But did you find it boring a little bit? Well, for me, it did a poor job anchoring where in the past continuity this is taking place. I agree. And I love X-23. I love her so much. I mean, there was a mention of Utopia, the island off San Francisco, but it's like, I I remember that that was. I just don't remember when that was or where that was with her and such. Me too. And given this is set in the past and X-23 is very much alive in the present, I'm betting this bad guy at the end doesn't actually kill her. Yeah, I would agree. I'm just going out on a limb there, (laughs) making a a wild guess. So it, it definitely kills the stakes or whatever. It wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't great. That's where I was. I mean, it it left me a little bit flat coming out of it. And then I realized, and if I'm not mistaken, I think this is the same writer who's going to write Wonder Woman. I was like, hey, that makes me feel like when Wonder Woman, maybe when I jump back in, do I really want to jump back in? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, and we've had better stories with X-23 than this. I agree. Sometimes it seems like we have to take a writer who is this type to write this type of character. And I don't think writers need to be like that. She's a genetically engineered assassin? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but like, like you don't have to take every female character and have a lady write them. Or, and the same thing, like, uh, I think you don't have to have like just an African-American write an African-American character. I think if you have a good writer, regardless of who they are or what they are, I think they'll write it good. And I think right now, it seems like they try to put writers who maybe aren't up to snuff to maybe be reflective of the character, and I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing. Well, I can see write what you know, and that people who are of a given background or ethnicity or skill set or whatever can bring something to the table writing a character of that type that people who are not can't. Yeah, yeah. But that's not to say people who are not can't imagine what it would be like and write a good story. No, I agree. I, I like I, I like that they took Tanahisi Coates off of Black Panther. And he wrote Steve Rogers. I thought that was cool because, like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong or right either way, but don't let's not just stick him with this character, you know? Let's stick him with where what book he wants to write, you know? Hey, who yeah. do you want to write? You want to write Superman? Go to DC. <laughs> but if you want to write Thor, write Thor. You know, that'd be cool as long as you're like the best writer for the job. You know, have a good story to tell. And sometimes when you get like a writer that I've never heard of, I realize that they're doing like oh, this is a character from that background. Maybe they'll write it more authentically. And it doesn't always play out that way. They just turn, come out as like not a good writer, and then people don't like that character. They're like, this book stinks, you know? And it's because it's a new writer. Well, and I don't think that the editors really have a chance to vet the writers these days the way they used to. Hey, we'll try out in a couple of pages here, a backup story there, etc. And it's funny because there are backup stories these days, but I'm not overly impressed with the quality of most of them. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's, I mean, those are most of the books. Uh, uh, I mean, we got a Hellcat number one, which Cantwell's finally writing his Hellcat book, which he was doing the whole time he was writing Iron Man. But Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, he's writing the book he always wanted to write. <laughs> I guess for me, is there was not really a lot of books from Marvel where I'm like, wow, this is amazing, or really, really good. I can't wait for that next issue. I felt like Marvel had a really bad month. I don't think it was just Marvel. I or DC... All yeah, the way did, around for me. Yeah, a lot of stuff was bad. Not bad, it's just not great. Yeah, just kind of in that, ugh, still in that funk where not, nothing's really happening and nothing I'm really excited about. There's a lot I'm not excited about. There was less I was woefully disappointed in. Marvel had more of those than most of the others and such. But there's a point where, yeah, it's it's good, it's fine, perfectly competent, acceptable story, but not, again, something I'm excited about. and that, I want more of that. 
Yeah, I agree. Should we move over to the other publishers? Yeah, let's do that. Hey, I saw something in your box. I finally saw your opening, a new number one. Which new number one? Ambassadors by Mark Millar. Yeah, that one was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I just, because I, I saw your unboxing videos. I think I watched them today, <laughs> right before we recorded. <laughs> and so, what did you think of that? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good start. It was good. There was a scene at the end that was kind of gross. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm curious where this goes and just how much Netflix might have to tone it down if they make a streaming series out of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> but I, I thought it was so funny because you had that room with the generals kind of chomping their cigars, puffing out their chest. You know, we got this person. Let's get, who is this guy? Well, it's not a guy. And by yeah. the way, they're not even American. <laughs> what? <laughs> like they can't, they can't fathom, you know? The concern I have about this series is we had Frank quietly on the art. Oh, yeah. And he is a fantastic art, but can't keep up to save For this issue. Yeah. Oh, for just... Oh, okay. All right. So, yeah, he can't keep up. So, this is it. We have another artist for the second issue, yet another artist for the third, yet another artist for the fourth, and yet another artist for the fifth. I didn't see that. Oh, God. And some of these are good artists, I think. A few I don't recognize, but... It's going to feel different. It's going to have a different feel each issue, and maybe we focus on a different character each issue. I don't know, but it's going to not have a, a unified vision visually. Okay. Uh, well, that's that's disappointing because I felt like the premise, it started off really good, where basically a character you know finds a way to create a limited number of superheroes. And after all that bravado that I talked about, she wants to basically bequeath powers onto the most benevolent in society. And how do you find the most benevolent people? People who are kind of selfless, you know, they're going to help. You let them fight it out. Yeah. Let's go to an arena. (laughs) Let's solve this right now. (laughs) I always joke around. I said, I'm I'm the most humble person there is. If there was an award for humility, I would win it. (laughs) Yeah, that's, but it's true. Let them fight it out. (laughs) Mark Millar is a good writer. He has great concepts. Often he executes well on them. Other times, not so much. Yeah, I agree. He, he's he's an either I love it or hate it guy. <laughs> well, and some of it, once I get the idea, it's like, is there really anything to bring me back if he does another series on it? And, and sometimes there is, and sometimes there isn't. Yeah. His Jupiter's legacy was great. The longer it went, and because I think it's because it was so far between the series, it kind of lost me. Yeah. And, and that kind of happened with the magic one, whatever that was called. Uh, it kind of lost me just because it was so long between the series. Well, and what about the time travel one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I enjoyed it, and we haven't seen that since. First volume was good. The second volume was okay. Yeah, I agree. The second volume was not as good as the first. Yeah. I'm enjoying his vampire series right now, but he has become very prolific recently. So I guess they took him completely out of the Netflix, you're not doing any of this production stuff. You go back to writing comics. That's what they bought him for, so yeah. That's what I think, because I think he was, he kind of stepped back and got involved in some of the projects, maybe on the, he didn't write anything for like a couple of years. And then he just came back in force. Well, if he's able to do some great stuff, you know, that's, that's cool. Hopefully ambassadors will do some of that. I just don't know. Yeah, I agree. That's where I am too. Did you read arc number one from image? Yes, I did. Hey, what, what did you think of that? It was a decent read, but it felt like a pilot episode that seemed to know it wasn't going to go to series. Yep. It felt like they knew it was dead. And I, when I read it, my first note on it is, is like is one shot that I'm surprised became a comic. <laughs> yeah. That's how I read it. It felt like I was surprised it was a comic. You know, you go to Africa, it's amazing and sad. You know, China drives animal poaching, and that's as real as it gets. Trophy hunters from the USA, and especially the Chinese, 
drive the poaching of animals and more more money is spent on tourism than that stuff. But if you're a poor person that lives close to a game reserve and you're not seeing a dime of that money from the tourists coming, going on safari, you shoot an animal and you get enough to feed your family for the next 10 years. Yeah. It's worth it to them. And, and unfortunately, that's what's happening. It was a decent story and such. I just was surprised it came out as, as it did or whatever. And I was also disappointed because doesn't Matt Hawkins usually put some stuff in the back of, here's the research I did, here's what's true, here's what's not. And there was nothing. None of that. Yeah. I was very, very, very surprised with that. So yeah, unfortunate. And then one thing that I wanted, you didn't get forged, did you? I did get forged. You did, What did you think of that? Because I didn't realize that was going to be a magazine. I didn't realize it was going to be a magazine either. And that colors my opinion of it quite a bit. Okay. <laughs> and that may seem petty of me, but it doesn't fit in the comic boxes with the other comics. No, you have to get a magazine box at this point. Well, and I don't have enough magazine-sized comics to, to fill that. I don't want to be doing that. So when I went to go read it, I'm like, where did I put it? Yeah. So it was a somewhat interesting sci-fi action series. Space Marine women instead of men. And witches and weird stuff. <laughs> it wasn't strong enough of a first issue to, to get past my, my annoyance with the oversized format. I don't know that I'll be getting more. Yeah, I, I felt like this first issue, it was like heavy, heavy, heavy on the world building and a l way lighter on the characterization because I felt like I didn't know the characters, but I felt like I knew more of the world when I read it. Greg Rucka is very much a world builder. Yeah. And he's a good writer. I think in the second issue, he might flesh it out, but I'm like, I, I was surprised he didn't flesh it out with all the pages he had. He, uh, I mean, the, the people, he, he kind of breezed over them and I'm like, built a really in-depth world that it's impressive, but at the same time, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I would say it's good. It's not great. It left me wondering, where's Lazarus? <laughs> well, he's putting that on hiatus until they have time to, to have like 12 issues in a row come out or whatever. So I think he's still working that in the background. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. But we'll see if that's true if and when it ever comes out. Now, this is usually where we diverge because we don't get a lot of similar stuff. Oh, I just don't get a lot of stuff in this area. Yeah. Did you want me to go down some, my stuff I liked, or did you want to go over some stuff you liked? Cause... Let me go toss out two things real quick. Okay, go for it. Because, I mean, a lot of what I'm getting is, you know, Walking Dead, Time Before Time, the Star Trek stuff, Power Rangers, and one or two other things. So, one or two of the other things, Rocket Man and Rocket Girl, number one from Dynamite. Oh, yeah, I saw you get that. I saw the box opening. How was that? Fun, done-in-one story, classic superheroics. It's, imagine if the Rocketeer was a, you know, a superhero. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So it was fun. It's, it's again, done in one, don't really need to know anything going in or, or coming out. So it was fun. I've talked about the Star Trek title that was kind of mixing and matching a bunch of people from different branches of the franchise. Star Trek Defiant spins out of that and is actually doing a better job on that premise because, and it's, it's funny because it was the best of the Trek books I got this month. Although I really do enjoy the Star Trek Strange New Worlds Illyrian Enigma. But this, this Star Trek Defiant looks like it might possibly even line up with some of the canon established over in, like, Picard. It may or may not. I don't know, but it could. But the mix of characters we've got is Worf, Spock, Rolaren, Belana Torres, and Lore. And we get a better use of them than we're getting the characters over in the Star Trek title. And it was a really great issue for Worf. Oh, cool. So this one I enjoyed a lot more, and it was giving me a lot more that, that I was hoping to get out of the main Star Trek title than I've been getting there. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. 
Well, okay, I'll go over mine. I'm going to try to go over them quick because I have a few that I liked. Berserker 12, the only thing I'm going to mention about that, it wrapped up the entire series. I felt like it ended good, not great, and I'm ready for the movie because I think it'll make a good movie. Dawn Attack number three and Death Dealer number 10. They're both from Opus and they're part of that Frank Frazetta, I guess you could call it a universe or something. They're using Frank Frazetta's Dawn Attack and Death Dealer. The art is seems like it's getting much better opus like they're becoming really like an art house almost mm. so the art is just beautiful and i'm i've just been impressed and the stories are getting better than they were like death dealer in the middle kind of was like so so for me but it's solid every month and the dawn attack three was really a decent story and the art is just fantastic the other one that i was going to mention was dead romans number one i think that was image image comics and it's about it's let me uh, guess dead romans Dead Romans, yeah, and the barbarians. Uh, the barbarians were the uh, Germanic tribes. But if you are a history buff or you watch the series called Barbarians on Netflix, you would love it. If you are not a fan of those things, you, I think you'll hate this book because the art is definitely not realistic. The characters are just talked about, but it's expected you know who they are. And so it'd be very confusing. That would be annoying. Yeah, so I, I feel like if you don't have a historical background, you're going to be confused. And I, I could just tell. I'm like, I know this because I know this, but other people wouldn't get this. Indigo Children number one, I really liked. It was a new series. I'm not normally a Kurt Pyers fan, typically, but it's basically saying there's a Russian or Eastern European kid. We don't really know what he is, named Alexi. He went missing uh, years earlier, and a reporter's hunting for him. And now he is a man. He understands things that people shouldn't understand. His IQ is advanced beyond any other people out there, any other humans. They show flashbacks to when he's a kid, figuring things out that people who are teaching at the university can't figure out. And there's an interview that you can find on a VHS tape where the kid claims to be the last vestige of the Martian race. And so it has these aspects of Department of Truth and people trying to cover up this stuff. Mm -hmm. And this guy lives out on his own in like, a compound with some other outcasts. And so it's definitely got those, if you like Department of Truth, you're going to like this book. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so very, very cool. Noctara 12, not going to spend much time on that. That's the one where the, there's no sun. It's very good. It's still you know horror book. You're not going to like John, but very good. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number five by Jason Aaron, very good. This is where the Rangers face off in a competition against Maceo, who's like kind of like the nerdy kid. It's a fight for his life. It ends in a way you would never guess, <laughs> but in a way that's completely true to the character Maceo, and you get some flash forwards to how things are going to play out with the two main characters in the future. So it kind of sets up the next issue. And then uh, Traveling to Mars, number four, I thought was really good. It's st That's Mark Russell. He, he deals with deep emotional things. You know, We get some new angles on like dealing with humanity and death and stuff like that. And another company kidnaps his ex-wife, who he wanted to speak with at one time. And this other company that hired him to send him out with his cancer to get to Mars on a one-way trip, they hired a lady who looks similar to his wife to try and trick him so that he can have one last conversation. Oh. It, it, so it just goes down a really dark path. <laughs> and then it, it ends up a hit squad sent after the other company. It's like really weird. <laughs> but it was really good at the same time. And then one other one I'd mention is Phantom Road Number 1. It was a brand new start. It's a Jeff Lemire book. It's about a truck driver who gets home after a long haul. He walks outside. And they're fighting with the family. And the family gets warped to another dimension in time. 
I don't by something they touch or hit something in the road, and then there's zombies everywhere killing everything. So very weird, but it was good. <laughs> Phantom Road. Okay. And I think I think that was AWA. I, I honestly can't remember where that came out from. I, I I don't remember. But Phantom Road was good. Interesting. Interesting. So those are the good ones. I won't mention any of the ones that were just kind of. Eh. Yeah, for me, I'm just not getting much from the other publishers. No, and I I knew that. Yeah, you, you get less and less. I got 20 books from there, so. I, I definitely had more, so I didn't want to hog all the time. Yeah, well, again, a, a decent amount of what I was getting this time was, was Star, Star Trek, Trek. You know, and again, I'm liking it. I think the uh, Illyrian Enigma stuff, uh, which is kind of filling the gap between first and second season of Strange New Worlds. I mean, I'm curious how much gets referenced in the show. I thought they landed the ending for the miniseries. It's just, does the second season line up to this? Does it reference these events at all? Does it not? Don't know. Hey, by the way, are you going to stick with that Rucka title, or are you off the Forge because of the magazine size? I don't think I have any on order, and I don't think I'm going to go pre-order anymore. Okay, well, I'll let you know how it plays out because I do have a magazine box. So, oh, I got magazine boxes too. I got plenty of them. I just, you know, don't have enough comics that fit that size to to have one allocated for that. Oh, okay, all right, cool, all right. Well, I'll let you know how it plays out. I still have some empty space, and and I signed up to get the new heavy metal. Ah. So I'm still waiting for those issues. I pre-ordered one, two, three, and nothing has arrived yet. <laughs> Jeez. What not? <laughs> well, we got some questions this time, but we've been going long enough that I think we'll split that out to another episode. Sounds good. All right. Recording clips for the preview Spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview Spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview Spotlight. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.